Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. Last week, we talked about how to create an experience and feelings that make your product irresistible. And this week on today's show, we have a company that specializes in doing exactly that at trade shows. I'm glad to welcome Brad Falberg and Todd Bug of Exhibitus, an award-winning exhibit company, and they're also on the Inc. 5000 this year. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Brad, start off by telling us a little bit about your philosophy of design matters and how that plays into what you do at Exhibit Us. Yeah, so we've seen the pendulum in design over the last 20 years in the exhibit industry kind of swing. There's been a lot of downward pressure on uh, design because of costs and companies are trying to save money. So, um, you know, we uh, took a look at that. And and when I got into the industry, I kind of fell in love with design. And um, so um, Exhibitus's philosophy is that, uh, you know, design matters uh, and one of the things we need to do is to be able to go out there and uh, make that measurable. So that's uh, what we've been working on. So when you talk about design and experience and making it measurable, how does one do that? So, you know, this thing about showing up and having the interpersonal interaction, which is what the trade show industry is built on, how do you quantify the value of giving somebody a, a, a unique experience? Well, you know, for when I got into the industry, uh, trade show exhibit companies uh, would work on designing environments. So we would put together the static environment that somebody would come to and and um, and stand in. Uh, I think over the last you know five ten years, um, <clears throat> um, you know, our clients are now expecting us to come up with the actual uh, interaction that occurs with with the attendee. You know, the days of just standing there and, and waiting for somebody to walk up are kind of over. The, the expenses are too high for that. So uh, we have got experiential designers that help us, um, you know, come up with what that interaction is. Um, one of the things that uh, is interesting is that, you know, technology has really uh, become a bigger part of, um, you know, the trade show experience. But uh, content is king. It's not just about, um, you know, whether or not you've got uh, conductive ink or gesture technology or whether or not you're using, um, you know, virtual reality goggles or something like that. It's about, well, what happens with that technology? And as designers, we're being expected to do more than just come up with the uh, environment. Mm. So as you talk about some of these trends, one of the things that came up almost maybe like three or four months ago on the show is is whether or not some of these technologies are going to start replacing the the trade shows and people can just sit in their office and put on a pair of goggles and a headphone and not have to fly to California or wherever. Uh, is that something that you you think is is likely we're likely to see in the future? It's funny. That question was asked uh, back in 1992 when I first got into the exhibit industry <laughs> when virtual reality first came about. And uh, we were scared because it was like, you know, th- this is going to be the end of our livelihood, right? And uh, here we are 25 years later, and indeed, that is not the case. Um, you know, uh, w- the way that we see it is, is that these technologies are helping to augment the trade show experience. They're not going to supplant it. And the reason for that is, is that, um, you know, we're people. We want to look at each other. We want to see each other. We want to interact with each other. Um, 
uh, we were just not going away. Right. We were just at a uh, session recently, and everybody's heard this, you know, what percentage of face-to-face communication uh, is the spoken word versus your tonality versus your body language. And uh, body language is uh, over half of the communication. And as you then move on into the telephone and then on into, you know, texting or email, it gets stripped away even more and more. So face-to-face marketing and and the interaction that we need as people is just not going to go away. What are some of the other trends that you think are important or you think that you you would like listeners to be aware of? Well, one of the things for sure is um, that management is expecting results. Um, you know, the days of just showing up, as I mentioned earlier at the show, and, and um, you know, waiting for people to walk up to your booth are kind of over. And, you know, counting leads, you know, we've got stories of uh, people that, uh, you know, where, where we would uh, uh, produce their exhibit, it would come back from the show, and the fishbowl full of leads is still in the reception counter. And, uh, and we're thinking, why did they go to the show? They're not even following up on the leads that they have. So uh, an important trend is that management is looking for some kind of metrics, uh, which is an important part of why uh, we've developed our uh, results division, uh, where we uh, uh, you know, purchased the intellectual property of a ROI company a number of years ago. Um, and so the, the two cornerstones of what uh, we believe in are, number one, that design matters, and number two, that uh, you, know, you have to be able to go prove that. And so um, uh, that's definitely another trend. Mm. So one of the things that, that just jumped out at me is you talk about this ROI div- division. I think probably every single CEO who's been on, who's listening to the show has had the experience of spending a ton of money and effort to go to a trade show and having it turn out to anything, um, you know, not produce an ROI or not produce results. So what are some recommendations that you have for having a trade show experience that actually produces some results at the end of the day. What are your top recommendations for that? Doing business with exhibitors, I would say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Certainly that's the top one. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> Number two? <laughs> well, I think, uh, first of all, let me take a step back and, and uh, let's talk about what ROI is. And I'll, I'll keep it real short, but there's really four buckets that uh, we, we concentrate on when we think about ROI. Specifically for trade shows. For trade shows, right? yeah. Number one is, uh, uh, you know, leads that uh, generate actual sales. That's whatever, you know, you're counting leads and did it convert. Number two is customer attention of these these next Attention three. or retention? Retention. Okay. Yeah. So uh, your customers may be coming to the show. They're looking at you. They're looking at uh, the competitors. If, you know, if you're not there, that's clearly uh, an issue. Or if you're there and you don't look good compared to the competition, all of these things uh, matter. The uh, third thing is the value of impression. And uh, with our results division, we're actually able to put numbers on, you know, let's say you put a banner on the side of the convention hall and you've got 30,000 people that come there. You can put a particular number, I'll just arbitrarily say 10 cents per uh, targeted or general impression. And uh, you start to total those things up and uh, and it makes a big difference. The uh, fourth area is in cost savings. What are the things that you can do at a trade show uh, more economically than you could if you did it another way. For example, your CEO uh, may travel to see key customers. Maybe he's going on the corporate jet. Um, when you actually put the numbers to that compared to that same CEO going to the show and setting up 10 or 15 meetings in a row, there's a huge savings there. And, and as we say in our session, a dollar sold is 10 cents earned. A dollar <laughs> saved is a dollar earned. So for every dollar that you can save, it's a 10x factor compared to and I, and I use that, um, you know, using a 10% uh, profitability number as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a benchmark. Your question was, how is it that you engage better? 
Um, and I think that, uh, you know, every industry is a little bit different. Some are service industries, some are product industries, uh, related industries. And I think that it is a, a collaboration between uh, the design team on our end and the client's team on the other end that come up with that that interaction, that experience that that matters on the show floor. Mm. Uh, and it's widely varying and it just, it takes a tremendous amount of creativity. There's no uh, playbook or formula you go to. It's, uh, you really have to just take it case by case. Mm. And Todd, uh, in terms of the operations, um, what are some of the things that you see, if you look at those four factors that Brad just listed, that that you see actually help to drive a better ROI from an operational standpoint? I believe they might be separate a little. Okay. Um, what the client is looking for in their ROI doesn't really translate to me or to us on the operations side. Got it. And Brad, do you have a thought on like any one or two things that you've seen that tend to make the ROI to, to significantly improve the ROI when people are at, at the at the trade shows? Yeah, sure. I think um, you know, uh, in years past, uh, companies would go to trade shows and uh, sales would show up, and the executive management would show up, and they'd look at the booth and, and what was happening in the booth, and um, you know, they'd uh, they'd either say, "Hey, that was good," or "That that isn't good." We've been talking about in in our industry with our clients about what smart design is, and uh, and it's kind of based on a concept of design thinking. Design thinking came about back in uh, the '80s um, out of Stanford University, and it it took a more holistic approach to what design is. And the key to it is is that it included more of the organization than just the exhibit manager or the marketing department. Um, so what we're encouraging our clients to do is to push the design process up and downstream within your organization, it has to start with objective setting, understanding what, you know, the people in the C-suites are looking for and uh, figuring out how to translate that into the actions that the event marketing team is taking and being able to come up with the results that they can then go back and report back to executive management. Mm -hmm. So obviously you've been in this industry for, you know, a long time. You've mentioned the changes that you've seen, <laughs> you, you've seen since the 1990s. Are there any more subtle changes? Obviously we've seen technology. You've mentioned how design matters, but it's being de-emphasized to save money. Are there any other subtle changes that you think are, are worth mentioning? Well, I mean, I think I would go back and talk a little bit more about uh, the, you know, our philosophy that design matters is being driven by the fact that um, on the trade show floor down through the last 20 years, the design seems to be getting more and more suppressed. And that's being, as I said earlier, driven by price. You want to bring as little weight as you possibly can to the trade show because that's where the costs are. Um, and the question that we have rhetorically is at what point does the design uh, on the trade show floor gets suppressed to the point that it's actually harming the the um, effectiveness of the companies that are going there and, and attending the trade show. Right. It's the trade-off between that ROI and the cost of Right. So subtle changes, you know, year over year, the costs associated with going to shows, particularly in weight, continue to go up exponentially. Therefore, the weight of the exhibits is going down exponentially to try to keep, you know, kind of a linear trajectory on, on what the costs are. And, uh, and it's really harming uh, the industry. So... Uh, I don't have a solution to this. I was going to say, well, <clears throat> it's a it's a long discussion about you know, how uh, show management and the show contractors bring their money in, and uh, uh, it, it's something that I think our industry is going to have to grapple with. and uh, And I think that you know, for our clients, uh, they go, "Hey, 
we, design and showing up and doing it right is not an expense. If you do it right, it, it's an investment. And uh, and in our results division and the ROI, you know, definitely can uh, come back to help support that. I think the millennial is also um, driving a lot of changes out there, particularly in the technology side. You mean millennial? Okay, yeah. yeah Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so, what are you seeing? Uh, how are millennials affecting? The, the, the use of technology in trade shows. Well, you mentioned earlier about um, virtual trade shows. and mm-hmm. It's just technology. Everything, it's, it's new and exciting. It's how can we engage the attendee quickly. The market is just flooded with all sorts of technology. And trying to keep up with that, trying to keep up with the new trends and what's hot is always a challenge. Well, we talked about this yesterday in kind of preparation uh, for this um, interview today that the speed of business today seems to be so it doesn't seem to be it is much faster than it used to be uh and i think you know a technology and millennials are are potentially you know driving that uh, we talked about how you know we'll have our customers we'll have our customers call us um you know 5 weeks before the show and say hey i need a quarter million dollar exhibit designed built and delivered and it's like you know the the time frames have been compressed and, uh, you know, many of the trade show managers that are driving, uh, you know, that process, you know, typically are younger, you know, that's probably an average of a, a 30-year-old mm. that's, uh, you know, rather early in their career. And, um, you know, so I just think because of technology, that speed is, uh, is, is being compressed. And are you finding that it's, it's standard now to have those virtual reality, AI, um, gesture technology, all, is that now standard in a lot of exhibits? Absolutely. Mm. Well, I think, um, you know, some kind of technology is uh, definitely uh, involved. I think the VR thing people are interested in, uh, you know, the goggles and the, the Samsung, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, VR goggle uh, kind of things. As I said earlier, the problem is in in the uh, content development. That's uh, That's where the the challenges from a creativity standpoint and where the real cost is. I've been to a number of shows and it tends to be a small piece over here that, um, you know, you don't go to the show to put on VR goggles to experience being there. They tend to use it as, um, uh, you know, a, 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 More a, of a complimentary draw. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also to, to augment the experience. It's not going to ever form the basis of, of why people are there. Right. Mm. Back to this uh, concept of design matters and, and creating an experience for people that has them want to buy the product that's in the exhibit. Share with us some principles that you use or think about in creating that design that creates the experience. Well, I think uh, what you're talking about is the design process. And I was uh, alluding to that earlier, that uh, the more that we can get you know, the entire organization involved, uh, the, the, the better that is. I think it's interesting how different companies approach, you know, a design competition with companies like uh, ours. In our industry, we have speculative design, which means that when a customer comes to us, they may come to us and three to sometimes mm. 10 other companies and say, give me a design for free and uh, let's, uh, and then we'll pick the winner. And um, I, I think that uh, a better process for our, our customers is, for them to go out and uh, you know do a, an RFI and do some preliminary evaluation of the companies, and maybe narrow it down to three and give them all you know an equal amount of information about what the design needs to do, and have them come back with concepts. You know, then they can get a sense of who do we feel like we mesh with best, communicate with best, whose ideas you know uh, on a first blush level uh, seem to be working well. 
and uh, then make the decision on who you want to work with at that point and roll up the sleeves and work collaboratively. Um, I think it's unfortunate where we've got uh, customers and prospects that uh, come and, you know, make 10 companies go through an enormous amount, you know, a full, complete mm. design with three reconfigurations and, uh, you know, and then they uh, pick one and that's the design they go with. I don't think that's the best process. Mm. So one of the things that struck me when we were preparing for this interview is I did not expect for a trade show exhibit company to be on the Inc. 5000 list. Hmm. I was just like, really? There are lots and lots and lots of companies that do trade show exhibits. So how, how did you rise to the top and how did you, how are you achieving high levels of growth in a very crowded industry? And it's kind of like, okay, they're like, I mean, it's, tell the story. How much, how much time do you have? Well, you know, it, it's got to fit in the half hour. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Brad. Well, um, I started the company back in 1994 as a manufacturer's representative. And uh, the nice part about that was that I didn't have to figure out how to build exhibits. And, and I'm not a designer. I'm a business person and a, and a salesperson. And uh, as time went on, uh, I ended up having a designer that uh, started designing custom exhibits. And I thought, well, I guess I better figure out how to build this. And so I bought a saw and, um, you know, we plugged it in and, and started cutting uh, plywood. And, uh, and I brought people on. It was a very slow process. We were having a lot of success based on, you know, being a sales-driven company and, and my passion for design, which I wasn't a designer, as I already said. But um, once I got into the industry, I really kind of developed a passion for it. Those two things were driving our company's success. And... Um, the, truthfully, the wheels started to fall off in about 2005, 2006 because I didn't have the operations side. Um, so a res- and that's why you brought Todd. That's why. That's where I'm headed. So, well, first there was Michael Edwards. Uh, Mike Edwards is our VP of Creative Services and a partner in the company, and Todd here is our VP of Operations and and also a partner. I was running the ship by myself and had part of what you needed to be successful, but not all of it. And uh, it became apparent to me that, you know, I needed to bring on expertise, not just as employees, but, you know, people that, um, that would be partners with me for the long haul. And it started out with Michael and, and, um, uh, he came on board and after just a few short months, the, the direction of the ship started to, to write as, uh, he was helping, uh, on the design and somewhat on operations. And he said, Hey, we should call Todd and see whether or not he's available. And, uh, Todd had started his own, uh, company at that point, and, but he wasn't too far into it. And so, um, I said, Hey, how about I buy out the assets, you know, that, uh, that you've invested in and, and why don't you join Exhibitus? And so, uh, he thought about it and he said, okay, we'll do that. That was in 2006. So mm. 2007. So it's been 10 years. Um, I think notable is that just as the three of us got together, uh, the recession was hitting. I was the, just about the, to say that 2006 the, is a tough time to start anything new. Well, yeah. Um, you know, it was a continuation of the company as we were morphing. The, the key component here is that that I brought on partners. Um, and, you know, as you think about it, uh, my uh, area of expertise, if you will, is in uh, the sales side. And Todd's is in operation and Michael's is in design. And I've called that the three legs of the stool, um, you know, many times of, of uh, what we've needed. Um, and, you know, the three of us had been in the industry here in Atlanta for a long time. And so it, 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 at other companies, I won't go into all that detail, but so we knew a lot of people. So just as the economy was tanking and we're, we're trying to get momentum to move forward, there were people that were interested in, in what we had going on. And uh, 
that momentum just kind of continued to grow as companies that uh, didn't have the same kind of leadership group were struggling. And, uh, you know, we ended up becoming uh, the, the benefactors, the beneficiaries of some other companies that weren't uh, doing uh, quite as well. What are the keys to our uh, success and our growth? It's been having a well-rounded uh, management team, number one. Uh, it's in having a culture that uh, and an environment that our employees enjoy working in. I always say that uh, it's always been said that uh, laughter is one of the best ways to drive creativity. And uh, so back in the design department, it's, you know, I guess a little cliche, but they're always playing ping pong and foosball and, you know, shooting rubber bands at each other back there and, and uh, just having a good time. And when we have our brainstorming sessions there, you know, we try to find a way to laugh and have a good time. It makes for an enjoyable environment to work in as well. So I think that's part of it. Um, so you know, I think he's, uh, Brad might be selling himself a little short here too, though, but we've gotten to where we've gotten to today in our success because of Brad. He's a um, smart guy, fearless, likes to take chances. That pushes the management team. Hmm. It pushes, and then that permeates the rest of the, the group. Um, we have some great people on staff that want to deliver quality, want to deliver good customer service and it's all driven by a lot of the decisions that Brad, primarily the decisions that Brad's making, that uh, bringing on good people, forcing us to produce at a, a high level. Don't sell yourself short there, partner. All right, uh-huh. all right. Well, and, I, and I love that. I mean, that's one of the things, the reasons why I think it's so important to have teams on the show or people who are working together and collaborating. Yeah. For those of you listening, we're talking to Brad Fallberg and Todd Bug of Exhibit Us. Let's actually go in that direction and talk about the team. And you mentioned a, a couple things, Brad, that I think were really interesting. One of which is you said that the we- the wheels began to come off. Pretty mature CEO who can kind of say that, right? What were some of the warning signs that things were not going the way that you wanted them to go? Well, um, you know, when you're out there, uh, my specialty was in, in sales. You know, I... I get on the phone, I make uh, phone calls. I, I started the company in Washington with a uh, phone and a computer and a database and just started uh, dialing for dollars, as we say. And then I moved down to Atlanta and did the same thing in 96 when that uh, market became available for us. I get design and I, I drove design. So we were able to open the doors for the opportunities. And we went in there and showed pictures that the customers looked at and said, wow, I want that. Now we had to deliver it. That wasn't my area of expertise. So uh, even though, you know, the the culture that uh, we have today was the same kind of culture that I was driving back then, we didn't have the expertise to build the exhibits right, uh, to make sure that they got to the shows and uh, were set up properly and, and made it back without there being, you know, issues and, and problems. So that caused dissatisfaction with the customers. And when your customers aren't happy, your employees aren't happy. The salespeople are like, why am I selling this? All I do is deal with problems. I see that happening. And so I'm having meetings with operations people and getting on their case about why is this happening and what can, you know, what, what can y'all do to make this uh, work right? When those things um, you know, uh, weren't happening, it just caused a lot of dissatisfaction on both sides of the, the, the aisle. So, you know, then people would leave. And so I lost a salesperson who went to a competitor. And, uh, Ouch. Yes. And then that person started to ask other of my employees to join the better ship over there. And, you know, I, I had to uh, uh, stem the, the flow of the bleeding at the time. 
And uh, it was a it was a very concerning time uh, for me. I was worried that uh, you know I might not be able to hold it all together, and that's when fortuitously you know the resume of Michael came across my desk, and and I looked at it and thought you know this guy doesn't. I was advertising for a salesperson, and uh, he had been the design director and a business owner, and uh, you know at the time I looked at it and thought, well, this is some old guy. He doesn't need any <laughs> sales guy. So I was going to just, uh, you know, not follow up on that. And, and uh, instead, I picked up the phone and said, Mike, why, why are you sending your resume to me? And he goes, well, you know, I can do anything, Brad. You know, I can be a salesperson, designer, whatever you need. And uh, so we ended up talking and, and uh, really clicked. Um, but uh, And that was the beginning of the turnaround. And thank goodness it happened when it did, which was in the fall of 2006, because by 2007, things were not good in the exhibit industry. I think it's important to note that... Um, um, one of the, the notes I had for this was that face-to-face uh, -face marketing is strong right now. There's a, an organization called SEER, which is the Center for Exhibit Industry Research. It's a nonprofit. And they've got their SEER index uh, over the last five years or so. It has been exceeding GDP uh, in terms of uh, net square footage of exhibit space uh, uh, being utilized number of attendees going to the shows. There's a, a whole blend of things that they put into their uh, SEER index. So the strength of face-to-face -face marketing uh, is strong right now. And it's, and it's working from what you're saying. Like people still need the, the human interaction to develop the emotional connection that allows them to buy. That is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Done right, it's a very powerful medium. Um, it, it, we found through our results division and actually putting dollar values on those four buckets that we talked about earlier, that things are a whole lot more expensive than uh, you might have uh, expected. Mm. A whole lot more, I'm sorry, a whole lot more valuable than you might have expected. Mm. So Todd, on the flip side, if you can think back to that moment when you met Brad and he was thinking, of, you, were, you, had, you had your own thing, right? And um, I think it's, it's interesting to, to, to find out the characteristics or, or what you saw that made you choose to to join Exhibitus at the time that you did. So what was it that you saw that, that made you want to join? Well, that's a good question that I haven't had to think about in quite a while. Certainly, I saw an opportunity. I saw an opportunity to contribute. But what was intriguing to me was really Brad. His personality in our company, and the, particularly in the senior management level, we all have different strengths. And his, as you can tell, is public speaking. He's very uh, charismatic. The sales... I would, I would agree. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I would agree. Most people do. The sales side, he just... He was, he was, he was good at what he did, uh, what he does. He did need someone to, to support him on the operation side. I was confident that I could do that. It was just a good opportunity. It was a good opportunity for, as Brad mentioned, uh, we all have been doing this for a very long time. I had already been in the business as a business owner previously sold that company, moved on, started up another small operation, which he mentioned earlier. And then I just saw this was a, it was a good opportunity for both of us. I knew that I could uh, contribute. We had talked about the struggles that he had had and, um, and what he was looking for was exactly what I could provide. And so as you came to, together as this tri trifecta, did, uh, did the opportunity to take share away from other people, did you see that immediately at the beginning of the recession or did it just kind of occur? What you're talking about is where we have absorbed some of the mm -hmm. people and uh, customers from other companies that, um, you know, haven't fared as well as we have. Those aren't things that we were out there, you know, like the Vikings trying to conquer and, and uh, because as I mentioned earlier, uh, 
you know, people came into my company and tried to uh, maraud my people back then, and I sure didn't like it. Now I'm a competitor, so you know, when the opportunity arises, I'm going to take advantage of it. Uh, you know, but I'm not out there trying to uh, harm competitors and so forth and, and destroy them. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the answer to your question is is that it happened kind of organically. I happen to know people in the industry. Um, in one case, uh, the company, uh, a company, just uh, decided to go out of business in the middle of the night, and there was just a little bit of uh, uh, word on the street about that, uh, maybe a few weeks in advance, and we um, happened to know some of those people, and so we captured some business that way. In another case, uh, a company I got wind was uh, having difficulty, and you know, this was last year. We were having trouble growing because we did we did we couldn't find enough people quickly enough to handle the growth. We've been growing at about twenty percent a year. Ooh, that's every, nice. Every year. Uh, since uh, 2007 when we got together, um, mm-hmm. an average of over 20% per year. Some years have been over 30%. That actually really stresses an organization. I when, was about to say challenging operationally. It, yeah. Todd Todd has, uh, um, you know, lost a few hairs over <laughs> some, some of this. Good thing this is radio. Yeah. There's going to be a picture. They'll see. <laughs> he, he's lost some hair over uh, some of the stress. And in our industry, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. Anyway, um, I, I knew this company was having uh, difficulty. And I said, hey, do you guys want to get together and, you know, uh, over a drink and talk about it? Because we need people and you need business. And uh, we ended up uh, working out a deal where they essentially shut their doors and uh, we were able to absorb their people and their customers and actually pay the owners of those com- of that company back for the value of what they did have. It wasn't a buyout, and it's a long story. But um, So these things, these opportunities just arose. I, I think it's important uh, as a, a CEO to keep your eyes open uh, to those opportunities. I've got an opportunity right now for somebody that we may not be ready for, but when those opportunities arise, you have to look at it and say, hey, can I fit it in? Because if you don't and you're waiting for when the time's perfect for you, well, as, as we all know, that uh, that person or opportunity may be gone. Mm. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about Brad is, you know, the risk taker. It's seizing, uh, seeing an opportunity and seizing the opportunity. Um, one thing that we are that maybe other business owners um, struggle with is, you know, very decisive. Right or wrong, we're going to make that decision and move forward because making no decision is just not good for business. Mm. Mm. Great. So I've heard a couple things, or more than a couple. So design matters. Yep. Focus on ROI, the four things that you, you mentioned, four pillars of ROI at trade shows. Face-to-face marketing is hot. Are there any other trends that you want to talk about before we wrap up? I'd like to be working on the profitability trend uh, with the company. And, um, you know, it's interesting. We participate with uh, the uh, uh, EDPAs, the Exhibit Designers and Producers Association. It's our industry's uh, association. And uh, once a year, they ask all of us to report, uh, you know, uh, confidentially on on the financials of the company and various measures. Um, we, we're in an anemic industry. Um, mm. We make 4.9% pre-tax net income. And, um, and that's really lean. And, it, it, you know, for all the downward pressure that we get from purchasing and our clients to deliver great stuff at a fraction of the price, um, it's a real challenge to, to uh, uh, grow the company and, and uh, help do that in a profitable way. We continue to invest in people, technology, software, uh, tools, and equipment. And um, uh, figuring out how to make a good profit is uh, 
is one of the the challenges and a trend that we would like to to move forward at least a little bit more reasonably. Wonderful. And um, are there any exciting like trade shows or other things that are happening at Exhibitus that you would like for our listeners to know about as well? In terms of uh, trade shows, uh, we we tend to be in a bunch of different industries. Uh, we're we're not uh, one of those companies that has everything in automotive or everything in healthcare, everything in technology. We we uh, work with a variety of different uh, industries, and I think that makes us uh, better in all of those industries because we're we're more well rounded. Exciting things going on at Exhibitus. Uh, we've talked about it, a little bit of it. The results division is a is a key thing. One of the, the things that we're trying to do is to become the premier design firm in the industry. We've got going on about 10 designers between mm. here and our Chicago office, from exhibit designers to graphic designers to experiential designers. Uh, we are well on our way to achieving that goal. Go Expanding ahead. our facility 60% is exciting. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. Uh, earlier this year, uh, we actually bought our building and and the land that was that it was on. You know, much like uh, being a homeowner versus a renter, it's uh, better to put your rent into something that uh, is uh, is you know, amassing some wealth. Of course, um, we're in a hundred thousand square feet uh, in our main facility in Atlanta. Uh, we've got another 35,000 square foot, uh, about a half mile up the road, which is just warehousing. And uh, we should be breaking ground in about a month on another 80,000 square feet that we're going to be building on the back of our current building. And then we're going to be proportionally increasing the size of the office, the shop, and, and the warehouse. Um, you know, the exciting things are um, the idea of having centralized manufacturing in Atlanta and then having regional offices in Chicago and New York and other markets that are much more expensive to manufacture in. So it's a, it's a great thing to be able to build here in Atlanta and then ship it to the show. But the customers are in New York and Chicago, and uh, we think it's a real competitive advantage uh, to go that direction. Um, one of the other things that uh, we've been developing in the last year is a new rental system that we call Rex. It is uh, quite a large system, so uh, not to get too technical here, but we're talking about six-inch aluminum beams that can span 22 feet, and, and uh, we can build very large trade show displays with that mm. um, that uh, that are quite economical, and uh, we're, we're pretty excited about the, the development uh, of that particular uh, product. What am I missing, Todd? I don't know. I got it all. You, you, yeah. you, you pretty much got it all. <laughs> Great. I mean, Listeners, we've been talking to Brad Falberg and Todd Bug, um, President and Vice President of Operations at Exhibit Us. I'm delighted to have you on the show, gentlemen. Um, in a couple of days, you can check out a blog where we're going to summarize the key takeaways from today's show. And um, you can find out more about them at www.ceoexclusiveradio.com. I am your host, Soyini Koch, and I hope you have a profitable, prosperous, and very productive week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.